information they're looking for, they win. Ignore them, you win. Welcome, everyone. I am Ari Ingle, the Director of Creative Community for Peace. Thank you, must, thank you so much for joining us today. For those of you who don't know, Creative Community for Peace is a nonprofit entertainment industry organization comprised of prominent members of the entertainment community who have come together to promote the arts as a bridge to peace, to educate about rising anti-Semitism within the entertainment industry, and to counter the cultural boycott of Israel. To learn more about our work and to support our work, please visit ccfpeace.com, that is ccfpeace.com, or creativecommunityforpeace.com. Once again, we are glad to have all of you with us in our public square as we present Dispelling the Myth Season 2, a fantastic educational series of conversations with some of the leading experts on the issues and challenges facing Israel and the Jewish people today. In today's conversation, we'll be focusing largely on anti-Semitism that is emanating from the progressive and leftist spaces, and we will focus on anti-Semitism on the right and other spaces in subsequent sessions. Uh, feel free to leave questions in the Q&A section of the chat, and I'll try to get to as many of them as possible towards the end of the discussion. I ask that you'd please just leave actual questions in the Q&A section, as you can always just email us general comments. This week's guest is UK comedian, actor, author, screenwriter, television presenter, and Jewish activist David Badil. David's varied career spans over 30 years as a stand-up comedian. He performed to a crowd at Wembley Stadium of over 12,000 people in the venue's first ever arena comedy show back in 1992. His television credits include creating and starring in the Mary Whitehouse Experience and Fantasy Football. More recently, he has created and presented several acclaimed documentaries, including The Trouble with Dad, Confronting Holocaust Denial, and Social Media, Anger, and Us for the BBC. David has also published nine hugely successful children's books, as well as recent polemic, Jews Don't Count. The book became the Sunday Times Politics and Current Affairs Book of the Year and was adapted into a great documentary for Channel 4 UK. Welcome, David. Hi, Ari. How are you doing? Good. Um, so let's start with the title and what it means, because it's actually, once you read the book, you realize it's more nuanced than it may seem at first glance. It's not that Jews don't matter in general. It's really in regard to Jews positioning on the progressive woke left. So can you explain a bit more about what you meant with this title and just yeah. generally why you decided to write the book, as we'll get into more specifics in a bit? Yeah, well, the title, uh, most importantly, needs to be seen as uh, kind of ironic. Uh, interestingly enough, when the book came out in Germany, uh, they wouldn't call it Jews Don't Count. The publishers wrote to me and said, we can't call it Judenseelen Nicht, which is the literal <laughs> translation of Jews Don't Count. Uh, they wrote and said to me, we can't call it this with our history. And I wanted to troll them and write back and say, what history? What are you talking about? And see how long it took right. for them to come out with that. But in the end, they thought it was just too dangerous a title, which means they weren't understanding the irony of the title. The irony of the title is, obviously, Jews do count. The point is that within a certain mindset, they appear to not be counting. And that mindset is the one within the world we live in now, which is very live, driven by the progressive left, to all forms of discrimination, uh, to identity politics in general, which has raised the temperature and raised the conversation around offence, around inclusion, around representation, around all forms of how the world should be treating those who might be considered to be part of minorities. The, the Jewish minority right. seems to be almost 
invisible in that or has been for a long time invisible in that conversation and my contention is that it's almost like jews are not really seen as a minority are just folded into the white majority the sort of you know the 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 progressive space the identity space finds it very difficult to see jews as distinct uh, with their own vulnerabilities and their own types of reputation and their own identity within that so that's what that's what i mean by jews don't count and the book begins with about Right. 12 examples of Jews not counting uh, that I perceive in my, uh, you know, uh, own sense of that happening within Britain, but also America uh, and in my own life. Um, and then it kind of spent a lot of time trying to work out why that might be. Right. So what do you say when people tell you, well, David, why not focus on anti-Semitism on the right? Isn't that more dangerous? Jews don't need protecting. Um and you know, you mentioned even in your book, Jews are, are marginal but not marginalized or seen that way. So, so what do yeah. you say to those people? Well, it's very straightforward, which is that the book does not ignore, and and my whole uh, what, thinking about this does not ignore that the main threat to Jews, the main physical threat to Jews, comes from the far right. It comes from other places as well. It, it comes from Islamists as well. But the main sort of physical threat to Jews, as in, for example, the the, the gunman who killed um, uh, Jews in Pittsburgh in 2015, right. 11 Jews massacred. He was a far-right gunman who believed in the Great Replacement Theory, uh, which is important because I noticed that the response to that from some people on the left was to immediately blame Israel and to blame that for the reason for it, which is a typical way in which uh, to answer your question, which is that the left do not provide any kind of sanctuary for this beating drum of far right, rising far right anti-Semitism. Right. I come from, I would say, politically a kind of left wing space. And I look to the left. I look to the progressive space as kind of sanctuary, as any minority might, when you feel like you're more and more vulnerable. But and it seems to me that that, that space doesn't really that sanctuary isn't really there anymore. Right. And it was very clear in between 2015, 2019, when the, the British Labour Party, the left wing Labour Party, was spearheaded by Jeremy Corbyn, that it seemed clear that that was suddenly a place that was kind of antagonistic to the idea that Jews were a minority that they needed to care about. Exactly at the point in time where they moved to the left. And we're very clear about saying we do care about minorities. They seem to be pushing out any concern about Jews. And so what I feel is that the danger that Jews are under is need somewhere to we need a buffer zone. We need somewhere to go that we can feel that we can break down and we can find shields against this rising anti-Semitism on the far right. So my point is, by the, there's another thing as well to say, which is that like, I'm not interested at some level in far right anti-Semitism. Those are just that's just pure hatred. These are people right. who hate Jews. The, the anti-Semitism that I'm talking about is an anti-Semitism that is much more unconscious. It's an anti-Semitism of neglect. It's right. indirect. No one I'm talking about in this book would perceive themselves as, as anti-Semites. They perceive what? themselves as, as anti-racist at the very core of their being. So it's a much more interesting thing to write about because... Right, and so... Right, and so... Right. And so why is it so dangerous to anti-Semitism on the left, this like idea and values opposed to blatant white supremacy and like the more physical, violent type? Well, I, I think it's dangerous because I think we need some, as I say, we need a sanctuary. We need a space to go to when anti-Semitism is rising on the right. But I also think it's because the, a lot of the assumptions are actually shared. A lot of the assumptions of the far right and of white supremacists towards Jews are shared. It's just that the type of hatred you get is much more direct from the right. So by which I mean... 
which comes to my uh, like why it is that Jews are in this position. Uh, so the so I would say if you ask why is it that Jews are in this position, it's because there is a fundamental belief that Jews are, and this is unique to Jews amongst minorities, that Jews are powerful, privileged, and rich, and sort of secretly controlling the political levers of society, and that is across right and left. Right. Like if you look at far right sort of you know conspiracy theory, they believe the Rothschilds are controlling the universe. If you ask me why is it that the left aren't that bothered to sort of to help Jews when Jews come under attack, it's because at some level they believe that too. They believe that Jews are not vulnerable, are fine, uh, are doing fine and are probably powerful enough because what the left does is it splits the world essentially into the victims and the, into the victimizers uh, and the victims. And it doesn't see Jews as victims, even though we have a long right. history of being persecuted and being victimized. But And if it doesn't see Jews as the victims and it splits the world in a binary way into victimizers and victimized, that suggests that Jews must be victimizers at some level. So it's a complex thing, but I think that the assumptions are shared. Right. And I guess that the the that ideas can turn eventually into something far more dangerous is really at the heart of that, too, whether it's, you know, communist, obviously, that's as far left as you can go. Anti-Semitism can lead to, you know, horrific things for the Jews as well. well so actually, why are progressives willing to go to battle? Ari, can I give you one example? Sure. It's a small example, but it... Down the line, it is quite dangerous, I think. So um, a, a football player, a, a soccer player called, called Gary Lineker, who's like a massive hero of mine, and I know him, right. uh, was talking today about the new, there's a new British, very inhumane immigration policy going on at the moment, where they're talking about trying to stop immigrants coming to this country uh, in all sorts of inhumane ways. And, and I'm totally against their policies. But he started describing it as being similar to, to Nazi Germany. And the problem with that is uh, that and lots of Jews have been saying this, is that that diminishes what's actually happening, what actually was happening in Nazi Germany. Because apart from anything, Nazi Germany and their policies was not about immigrants. It was about turning hate and disenfranchisement on their own citizens. So it's a much more extreme thing. But the reaching for right. Nazi Germany as a way of describing a policy that you don't like that's happening from a right-wing government ignores completely Jewish sensibilities. It, it, it ignores the fact that my mother was born in Nazi Germany and, and virtually didn't get out of that. And if you raise your hand and say, actually, from a Jewish perspective, this is not great, you get shouted down. And this happens all the time. Right. Jews face an enormous kind of aggression from the left when they try and say, some of what you're saying doesn't really work for Jews. Right. Like you talk about how progressives are literally willing to go to battle shame campaigns for all other minorities except Jews. Yeah. You know, while Jews are not in this sort of sacred circle. You give one example in your book where in the UK and the Labour Party leader had a whole list of marginalized people that they were going to fight for. I yeah. think it, it may have even included white people <laughs> in their long list. Yeah. But Jews got no mention. You know, like yes. why why would Jews literally not even on her list of about 100 different things that they were going to fight for? Yeah, that was a woman called Dawn Butler who did a speech in 2019. I've got it in front of me. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but she says if you were in social housing, if you were LGBT+, if you were a traveller, if you were a hijab, turban, a cross. So even a cross. So Christians are even included, right? right. If you were black, white, Asian, disabled, right, blah, blah, blah. Uh, if you don't have a trust fund, if you don't go to Oxford, if, you, if you're working class. So really, she's saying anyone that might be considered to be vulnerable. 
And the Jews are missed out of it because Jews are not considered to be vulnerable. Jews are considered, Jews are associated at some level in, in, in minds like Don Butler's, I think, and certainly within the wider sphere of progressive culture as people who are moneyed, who are privileged. And so therefore, if you're making a speech, reaching out to the vulnerable and saying, we will protect you, we the left will protect you, you've missed out Jews. And that comes back to your original question, which is why is this dangerous? Because Jews do need protection. History shows that Jews desperately need protection. They desperately need to be included in the list of minorities that might be threatened because we're constantly being, you know, right. exiled. Our history is one long loop of exile and disenfranchisement and genocide. But that seems to be forgotten when people from the left decide these are the minorities I'm going to protect. And even the stats today are proving that out. I mean, in, in America and the UK, Jews are still highly targeted groups. Um, in America, per capita, I think there's more uh, hate crimes against Jews than any other minority and certainly any religious group. Um, yeah. Which also, which leads me to like the discussing the all lives mattering of anti-Semitism. You know, and these progressive left can condemn anti-Asian hate on its own. They can condemn Islamophobia on its own, but not anti-Semitism. Yeah. Um, when they do it regarding anti-Semitism, always a state, we condemn anti-Semitism in all forms of racism, or we condemn yeah. anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. Like, for instance, I don't know if you saw this, in America, there's a lady named April Powers, who was the head of HR and diversity for a children's book writers guild. And she tweeted out against black racism one month and then anti-Asian hate one month. But when Jews were being beaten up in the streets of LA and New York, she tweeted out against anti-Semitism alone and came under fire. And I think was eventually fired. And she's even a Jew of color. So being both black and right. Jewish didn't help her, right? The right. color of her skin didn't protect her. Okay, so, so what I say in the book is, what I say in the book, which you've sort of got near there is that, um, the need to say, I noticed this very much among with the Labour Party, uh, the need to say when they were accused of anti-Semitism, what they would always say is, no, 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 we're very against anti-Semitism and all forms of racism. Right. And and the phrase and all forms of racism is essentially the left wing version of all lives matter, because it was like we can't just say we're against anti-Semitism, because to do that is to somehow or other, there's a suspicion that to call out anti-Semitism is somehow throwing other minorities under the bus, which I've been accused of. And can I make it absolutely clear here? My process is not in any way to try and push any other minority that might be suffering from discrimination out of any kind of spotlight. Well, as far as I'm concerned, what there should be a limitless space to talk right. about this stuff. And Jews putting up their hands and saying, we seem to not be in it, is not, way, is not saying anyone else needs to move out of it. That's not my point at all. I mean, an interesting uh, thing, uh, version of what you were just saying in terms of children's books. Uh, and, uh, well, I write children's books, but what I was thinking was when the American version of Jews Don't Count was published, we had to go to a sensitivity reader. You've heard of sensitivity readers, right? Right. Wow. Yeah. So we had to go to some sensitivity readers and the particular sensitivity reading company that we went to, they had a specific sensitivity reader for every minority. Like, so they had a trans reader, they had a gay reader, they had a disabled reader who would check it, check all books to see if it was like no good for that minority. They didn't have a Jewish one. There was no Jewish sensitivity reader. So Jews Don't Count was eventually read by, I think, a trans reader who happened to be Jewish. Right. It was that's, like, that's, like, that's amazing, but not surprising. You know, I, there's a Writers Guild for Screenwriters Guild, and they have these booklets and they have one exactly you're talking about for transgender, LGBTQ, Islamophobia, you know, Black, Asian. 
did not have one for anti-Semitism of the Jewish people at all. Didn't understand why they needed one. And actually yeah. we're helping to, to put one together. And it's been, they've had the other ones for years and years now. Yeah, well, the, the thing that I think, so, so what's clear from the conversation, which I think people listening need to understand is that I'm talking about the very spaces, the very places, the very conversations where people are raising their game about trying to spot offense and racism, right? I'm not talking about the places where you expect no one cares about that. I'm talking about the places where they're really, really on guard for that stuff. Uh, so a good example, when, and maybe the, the 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 thing in the book that created the most impact is um, I go to football matches, soccer matches every week. I'm a big soccer fan. And there's lots of, you know, people shouting bad stuff at football, but the the sort of, you know, progressive mindset has moved in there and has really, really helped to knock out all forms of racism at football matches because now stewards who, who monitor them are told if you hear any racism, you know, you've got to chuck that guy out and they're right. banned normally for life. But in uh, sort of 2010, me and my brother were subjected to an incredible stream of anti-Semitic abuse at Chelsea. And like no one did anything. No one did anything at all. And when we tried to make a film, which we did eventually make, called The Y Word, which is about the chanting of the word Yid at football mm -hmm. matches, when we tried to, to get that film made, the various anti-racist football organisations were all like, does this matter? Is this important? We've got lots of other stuff we've got to right. think about. And it's now finally become an issue. And I do think the dial is changing slightly on this conversation. But that's an interesting thing, isn't it? I call it the Y word. I call the word right. Yid the Y word because I want to bring Jewish concerns onto the level of other concerns. Right. Right. And what so, you say in your book also, the, you were, the chant of Yids led to saying the F you Jews. Right. Yeah, yeah, like no, no. To stay yeah. with you, right? It never stays there, right? It it, it always right. escalates by some. No, absolutely, it escalates. I mean, I don't want to get into the whole complex thing whereby there's a football team in London that is thought of as the Jewish club. It's really complicated if you don't know about football. But yeah, it it sort of escalates from just the chanting the word "yid" to the chanting of uh, you know "f f off Jews" over and over again, and. Right. Me and my brother are like looking around to like, isn't anyone going to call call this out apart from us? And no one does. And what that comes down to, Ari, at heart, is a notion of allyship. This is a very, you know, fundamental progressive con concept, allyship, right? In fact, I just got asked recently to, which it shows how the dial is moving, by a woman who's writing a book about allyship to have a chapter about Jews and how I, I can, and, and she asked me to be involved. But right. But most of the time, I think progressive people see themselves as allies, don't they? To whichever put upon minority group needs allyship. And if you say, where are the Jewish allies? It's not, it, it feels like you're just going to be speaking to air there, don't you? If like on right. social media, you ask for Jewish allyship, it almost feels like as a sentence, that's not going to work. Like people are going to okay. think, well, why? Why do Jews need allies? And Jews do need allies. And that's what the book at some level is a call for. Right. And you mentioned in your book that the difference between far right anti-Semitism, progressive left anti-Semitism is that the progressive left sometimes apologize. And you mentioned John Cusack. Yeah. Do we really like, think I, Cusack or maybe Jeremy Corbyn who apologize even really mean it, though? Or are they just apologizing because in their space, it's sort of that's what you got to do? Well, let me tell you something about Corbyn, which is interesting uh, in that, uh, you know, they do sometimes apologize and sometimes they don't. So. Uh, recently, Corbyn actually spoke about me 
um, he was uh, on a on a podcast and they played him footage of me talking about something, which is I was asked directly whether I thought he was an anti-Semite. And I said, no, I think he's just someone I absolutely don't think that he's someone who at the front of his mind, I use this very front of his mind, would say that he hates Jews. So he's different from like Kanye West in that regard. Right. He's someone who. Uh, has got like all sorts of other stuff that he thinks is kind of more important than anti-Semitism, but, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they played that to him and he got quite angry. And he said, how does David Baddiel know what's in my mind, know what's in the back, blah, blah, blah. And what I thought is, okay, the phrase I should have used is unconscious bias. If I'd said, okay, I think within his unconscious bias, there might be a downgrading of Jews. Then I would have been doing what I do throughout the book, which is to use the language that progressives use about other minorities and apply them to Jews and then see what happens. Because it's absolutely the case, isn't it, that if a black person says to a white person, I think you're showing unconscious bias towards me as a as a, as a black person. If the white person is progressive, they have to accept that. Right. right. They have to accept that unconscious bias towards minorities exists. Now, there's no question that unconscious bias exists towards Jews from non-Jews. But you say that to a progressive person and they just get angry. They don't they don't say, OK, I'm, I'll try and work that out in myself. They just get angry right. about it. And, you know, other as you're talking about other minorities get to determine what is or isn't racist or bigoted when it comes to their communities. But Jews don't. Right. It's always a debate when it comes to Jew hate, whether it really was or wasn't anti-Semitic, as if Jews are not reliable when it comes yeah. to, you know, determining the hate they face. Like, why yeah. is that? Well, again, because I think Jews are not considered a proper minority. I mean, I'll, I'll give you another example. Again, it's about the Labour. I mean, I, I tend to, I try not to talk too much about the Labour Party because it's it's sometimes like in Britain that's seen as the be all and end all of this question. It isn't. But I'll give you another example. The Labour Party has had two inquiries over that period of time into the issue of anti-Semitism, and these inquiries are used sometimes by the left to sort of say, "You see, there wasn't anti-Semitism," or whatever they say. Both those inquiries into into racism in the Labour Party, anti-Jewish racism, were not there were no Jews involved. They were they were headed by members of other minorities. Now, it is impossible, certainly in Britain, to imagine any inquiry into institutional racism that isn't headed by a member of that minority. If you like recently, there was a big inquiry into racism in Britain and it was headed by a black person, as of course it should be. But when it's Jews, there's a sense in which Jews might be biased. Jews aren't completely reliable. We might we'll have to get a non-Jew to work out whether there was anti-Semitism here. And someone yeah. described this to me recently as Jews. It's like someone has to arbitrate between Jews and the progressive left because Jews can't entirely be trusted to say this is anti-Semitism. They must have an ulterior motive. And what is that ulterior motive? Some people for some Jew for some people on the left, it's always about Israel. For others, it's always about, well, Jews have got this kind of privilege and power. And so, you know, obviously they can't be trusted to say that they are being put upon. But it's an extraordinary thing how how different that is from the way that other minorities are treated when they call out racism. Right. And in your book, you also talk a lot about uh, this charge that Jews are just white. And that maybe plays the role in this. It pops up yeah. over and over. Whoopi Goldberg, for instance, well, you can pass yeah. as white is the progressive argument. Yeah. Like, what do you what do you say about that sort of argument? Well, I think it's really crucial. Uh, so I use this phrase in the book. 
which is a bit complicated, but I'll try and explain it, which is it's not I didn't invent it anyway. I found it on the Internet, which is Jews are Schrodinger's whites. And what I mean by that is Schrodinger was a physics guy, for anyone who doesn't know, came up with Schrodinger's cat. And he came up with an experiment whereby a cat was alive or dead, depending on the physics of the situation. Don't worry too much about that. The point is Jews are Schrodinger's whites. By which I mean they are white or non-white, depending on the politics of the observer. So for far right groups, I mean, for centuries, Jews have been perceived as non-white, right? Obviously, the Nazis thought of Jews as non-white and white supremacists now in America, when they're shouting the Jews will not replace us, by, by mm-hmm. us, they mean the white man, right? That's what they mean, okay? And so they position Jews as, as outside the sphere of whiteness. But so that's something which the progressive left should listen to because they should think, okay, well, the far right are positioning Jews in a racist way as non-white, so therefore as a race that they are looking down on. So in the same way that they're doing that to other minorities, we should try and protect them from that. But unfortunately, on the left, there's this sense that Jews are sometimes super white. Uh, I'll give you another example of this, actually, which is the film You People. I don't know if you've seen it, Uh, the Netflix film You People. But I wrote about this in the Sunday Times. It's not in the book. In the Netflix film You People, which is sort of, you know, you might just think it's a comedy, but it's a comedy about uh, a Jewish guy played by Jonah Hill and a black woman played by Lauren London getting together. Um, What happens essentially is that the parents are in the way, right? It's a sort of meet the parents problem. And at the end of it, uh, the the parents, the Jewish parents apologise to the black parents. And the Jewish parents apologise basically for being white and rich. Right. They just basically say, you know, we. They, I think Julia Louise Dreyfus says, I'm, I'm sorry for all white people. I'm sorry for all Jewish people just folding it together. Right. And I'm sorry, blah, blah. And um, Eddie Murphy, who plays the black guy who's been like he's a Farrakhanite. He's uh, basically accused Jews of financing the slave trade, all sorts of other anti-Semitism. He just apologizes for not seeing that Jonah Hill was a nice guy. Right, like at no point feels the need to apologize for any of his anti-Semitism because the anti-Semitism right. is invisible in the film. So the point is that a lot of the time Jews are just stand-ins, often in art, in art form, in drama for rich white people. Right, right. And so I that's mean, what that, I mean by Schrodinger's whites. I mean that right. on the one level we've got the clan basically saying Jews are non-whites, and on the other level you've got progressives saying they're just super white. Right. And then also this means that, you know, Jews can hide themselves, which basically says, Jews, we don't really care about your safety. You know, you can hide yourselves and and just blend in. But no one would tell anybody, tell a gay man or someone from the trans community, well, just stay hidden. But for Jews, you can just stay hidden. So don't worry about it. But they wouldn't do that. for. I think that's the Jews don't count part, right? That for Jews, it's, oh, you can stay hidden for any other community. We would yeah. never dare them to, to stay. Of course hidden. not. And, and, and well, of course, one of the things about other communities and the way that they're, the way that they're both, they actually do behave, and the way that they're encouraged to behave in by progressive cultures, which is a very good thing, is to be very proud of who they are, right? Like pride right. is a big deal for most communities. Obviously, for the LGBTQ community, but for all communities, you know, it's about coming out and showing the world, you know, that we're not ashamed to be who we are, and that's a really good thing. But Jews are not encouraged to do that. I mean, Jews themselves don't do it much, I would say. I think Jews themselves, I've encountered a lot of Jewish shame since I've written this book. People have written to me and said that they 
for the first time, which is a good thing, but for the first time they're going to tell people that they're Jewish. But for years they didn't tell people they're Jewish because of this sense that coming out as a Jew is not applauded, right? Not encouraged. Uh, And yet at the same time, it's thrown back at Jews as like, well, you don't suffer racism because you can pass. Which itself is a very complicated thing, by the way, because as you'll know, in the history of anti-Jewish racism, a lot of racists have talked about Jews infiltrating society. And so the reason the Nazis made Jews wear armbands is that the Nazis thought Jews are passing, Jews are amongst us. So we have to out the Jews all the time. So that idea of Jews passing has a very, very poisoned tradition. Right. And you even talk about this, this mural in the UK by Mir One, who, if people don't remember, he painted this giant mural in the UK, which shared by Ice Cube and others that showed these white bankers with big noses, essentially playing Monopoly on the backs of people of color. What's interesting about the mural is Mir's one response to the controversy where he labeled Jews as white. So not only did he not see the anti-Semitism in the piece itself, but when talking about it, he also just deemed Jews as white people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what he actually said was, and it's very, very instructive for the way that progressive people sometimes think, he was angry because that mural which is a mural of old bearded hook-nosed men playing Monopoly on the backs of the world's poor. And it was on East London, in a part of East London, which used to be very, very Jewish. Um, they, people complained it had to be taken down, right? And he was angry. And he said some old white Jewish folk were upset by my depictions of their beloved hashtag Rothschild, hashtag Warburg. The hashtag is important because he put that on his Facebook page. And if you click on hashtag Rothschild, on Facebook, you'll be taken into a terrible world of kind of conspiracy theory and anti-Semitism. And his point really is just, if I want to portray Jews as playing Monopoly on the backs of the world poor, which really is in a very, very uh, hateful artistic tradition, you know, when I did my documentary, I found a picture from Der Sturmer, which was the Nazi newspaper that every week had a cartoon on it of Jews controlling the world, Jews basically about to suck the blood of a baby or whatever and and it's pretty similar right it's a pretty similar type of cartoon and the reason that became well known in this country is that Corbyn backed Mir One in his fight to have the mural stay up right uh I mean to be fair to Corbyn he has changed his mind about that and he said he didn't see that what tradition it was in and that's a good thing that I think he did that but Mir One himself just was angry about it so shifting topics a little bit and going almost back to the, the little TV uh, thing we're talking about, you people, you discuss how some Jews, perhaps even some who are half Jewish, or maybe didn't grow up Jewish, you have worked with in the industry or who are known in the industry, especially in the UK, talk uh, talk about their Jewishness as just a shadow identity or disavow right. their Judaism. Why do you think that is? Well, so I'm militantly unashamed about being Jewish. Um, like I'm not. I'm not particularly proud would be the wrong word. I mean, I'm not not proud, but I'm not, not bothered. I just think like I'm who I am and why should I be ashamed of it? Right. But I think it's that is unusual. It's unusual. And uh, interesting enough, a lot of the comedians in Britain who are Jewish have often got some other thing that they can hang their identity on. So quite a lot of Jewish comedians are gay or they're also people of color or whatever else it might be. And so their Jewishness tends to take a second place. Right. And there's a number of reasons for that. One is, I think, Jewishness is just not as cool, right? It just right. doesn't seem as cool a thing to be. Uh, and the other thing is, is I think there is, you know, there is a shame associated with it. There's, there's a, a show 
here called Friday Night Dinner, which is the nearest thing we have. We don't have anything really, but the nearest thing we have to a Jewish sitcom. And the main cast is not Jewish. I mean, this is the thing I also talk about, which is Jew face, which is the fact that non-Jews are continually playing Jews on film and TV. There's one actor who is, I, I believe that he's Jewish because his dad is Jewish, but he's done interviews disavowing that and saying that I'm not Jewish. And I think he said the last Jew in my family was four generations back. And here again, you can see the difference with other minorities, right? Because other minorities absolutely want to claim that heritage now. Again, right. a really good thing. They really want to claim that they are black or brown or gay or whatever else it might be, disabled, whatever else it might be. You know, people want to claim it now. They want to claim it as a superpower. Yeah. Right. But now, but but Jews are still disavowing it. And I think that comes from a sense of Jewish shame that is inculcated a bit by everything I'm talking about, by progressives essentially saying, well, you're rich and you're powerful and you don't need to be seen as a minority. You don't need to be seen as something. You certainly don't need to be seen as something that's got this part despite, you know, disadvantages. Right. And you know well, what's interesting? All, all the advantages. Right. You know what's interesting is Sammy Davis Jr., Marilyn Monroe, back in the day, in their day, it was actually cool to be seen as Jewish. And no, that's well, part of the reason they converted, but that is no longer the case. Yeah, no, well, that's that's really interesting. I think there's a footnote in my book where I talk about, because I'm talking about how in Britain, like being British and Jewish is so like, it's not even a thing. It's basically just me in this country, right? And a couple right. of other people. Uh, whereas I, I, I talk about in America, it seems to me there was a brief period in the 50s and 60s where, yeah, it was really cool because, you know, you could be Lenny Bruce, basically. Uh, right. Although Lenny Bruce changed his name from something like Leonard Schneider or something like that, because, you know, Jews have throughout history right. disavowed their Jewishness. So it's such a weird space that Jews operate in. But definitely kind of Mortsal, you know, Lenny Bruce, around about that time, I think Jews were cool. And it was a short window. <laughs> <laughs> and you, your name couldn't be too Jewish either. Yeah. Um, so, where do you, so where do you stand on the question of whether Jewish subjects should be played by Jewish actors? For instance, you talk about Scarlett Johansson was yeah. cast to play a transgender role. Um, extreme outrage over that. She was dropped. But when it comes to Jews, we don't see this, right? We don't, whether it's Rachel Brosnahan and Miss Mizell, whether yeah. it's Helen Mirren playing Golda Meir. Well, no, um, no one in the fable, the idea of no the outrage is not there. Uh, yeah, absolutely not there. No one in the Fablemans is Jewish. I mean, literally, right. no. As far as I'm aware, not a single person in the in the Fablemans is Jewish. Um, there was a show just now. I don't know if you saw it on Disney Plus called The Patient with Steve Carell. Uh, I, I that's worth watching. It's a good show. It's incredibly Jewish. It's written by two Jewish writers. So you know, so there are scenes in Auschwitz, and there are scenes where he's reciting Kaddish. And, and I'm not normally that bothered about it from, from the acting point of view, but there was a part of me that was thinking it's amazing that Steve Carell, who is not Jewish, is doing this because it would just not be allowed, I don't think, for any other minorities. And that is my point. Uh, as you may know, you know, authenticity casting is a big deal now. So um, it's almost impossible now to cast any minority except with an actor who is actually from that minority. And that isn't just ethnicity. That would include if you've got an autistic character, it's going to be played by an autistic actor, whatever. And, you know, there's arguments for and against that. And I'm not that bothered about that arguments. What I'm bothered about is the fact that Jews aren't in that. Once right. again, 
Jews are kicked out of it and continually played by non-Jews. And right. sometimes, as I say, it's a very, very Jewish part. Golda Meir is clearly a very, very Jewish part. And Helen Mirren isn't Jewish. And at some point you have to say, OK, what does this mean? What does not? It's not so much about acting. It's about what does it mean about what people think of Jews? And it comes back to the same thing, which is like, yeah, the Jewish experience isn't really worthy of the same kind of respect that we're granting to other minorities. Right. So the outrage part, the Jews don't count part here really is not that Jews, you know, Helen Mirren shouldn't play a Jewish character. It's that the progressive left don't find any outrage when that happens. But when yeah. other it's when other minorities, they do. Yeah, because, and because we would just I, I guess we would like that outrage as well, as opposed well, to, you know, I, I guess actually, you know, whether what, or I not think, they should you know what, I'm not that bothered about the outrage. I'm not that bothered. I, I don't want all that outrage around Jews. I just want to ask the question, why is it not happening for Jews? And right. what does okay. that mean? Right. Uh, because I think here's the real problem with that. Right. Which is, I think the casting of uh, authenticity casting, it's a little bit about employment opportunities, but it's also about something else. It's about respect for lived experience. So when, so for example, uh, Marley Martin, who's deaf, she recently said that she doesn't like to see deaf characters played by hearing people. She said that she said deaf is not a costume, right? Meaning I have experience of being deaf and I don't like to see people who don't really know it and are just wearing deaf. I don't really like that to see that because it's my lived experience and I want to see it portrayed authentically. Now, she's obviously got an enormously important point there. But when you transfer that, you think, right, so the Jewish experience is that not worthy of that? Is that not worthy of saying, well, it's a, an authentic lived experience and when people are portraying it, they need to have some sense of what it really is. Because right. if they're, if you require absolute authenticity and you're not giving that to Jews, what you're basically saying is the Jewish experience not really worthy of the same respect. Right. And, you know, there's a similar argument you hear that Jews don't need protecting because they're doomed too rich and powerful. Right. People claim that when a rapper like Jay-Z, for instance, talks about getting that Jewish money, it's meant as a compliment. So, you know, yeah. don't worry about it. You know, what's yeah. the danger there of this sort of philo-Semitism where, you know, we're, we're trying to be aspirationally like Jews? And Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the most dangerous things. So so basically what you see a lot with rappers you saw it you saw it with wiley you see it you see it with kanye is that when they are being racist towards jews they don't think they're being racist what they think they're doing and they're sometimes seen like this for a lot of people as punching up right the right. racism against jews is the only type of racism that can be seen as punching up and the way it's seen as punching up is like i'm not having a go at a, you know a, a minority that is that's suffering here i'm talking about the people in control I'm punching up against the guys like like Kanye will talk about them controlling the music industry or not allowing him to speak or whatever else it might be. Um, and so what you get is this sense of like, it's a kind of rebellious way of being racist. That's what it's seen as. And uh, the money thing is, is part of the problem here. So I've seen this as well. I've seen that people who will say Jews are rich and that is an anti-Semitic trope, say Jews are rich. They will say, no, no, it's not. It's a compliment. But it's not a compliment, right? Uh, because Jews are rich historically leads to Jews' houses being burnt down. You know, like the Nazis said, Jews are rich. They have control of the money. We have to kill them. So when Joe Rogan, I don't know if you saw this, but Joe Rogan recently 
uh, said, it's fine to say that Jews are into money. Saying Jews are into money is like saying Italians are into pizza. That's what he said. It's not, because a large section of the Italian community has never been killed for liking pepperoni on some dough. That's never happened, right? Whereas throughout history, and not just the Holocaust, throughout history, Jews have been targeted and genocided because of a notion that they are too controlling of money. Right. It sort of talks about what we were talking about earlier, how some of these statements and these ideas of this leftist anti-Semitism, these ideas usually lead to something much worse, yeah. like the Inquisition. The Inquisition was exactly that idea of Jews controlling and having too much control of money. Um, let's talk how Israel comes into this conversation right. from some leftist Jews. Yeah. You make your position clear that for you, Israel is a country like other countries. You know, this isn't your cause. Yeah. But you state that these leftist progressive Jews living in the UK and America somehow feel responsible for Israel. Yeah. Is this just internalized anti-Semitism? You know, why do you see these leftist Jews having to disavow Israel? Well, actually, at the moment, which is probably happening in America as well, isn't it? At the moment, there's a lot of progressive Jews who are demanding that all Jews should speak out about Israel. Have you got this happening in America at the moment? There are Absolutely. people writing, writing articles saying the Jewish diaspora has a responsibility to call out Israel. And what right. I think is, no, they don't. What, what I also think that it's fucking terrible at the moment, the government in Israel. It's terrible, right? And right. I really can't, I really think, I wish there was a different government there. But what I also think is that the connection, the notion of the inst instantaneous connection between Jews and Israel across the world, non-Israeli non Jews has been pernicious for Jews for, for three or four decades now where it's just a stick to beat Jews with, when that would, again, never happen with any other minority, right? I'm trying to talk about anti-Semitism here. Anti-Semitism goes back centuries. The idea that anti-Semitism, which a lot of progressives think, is just to do with Israel, right? So, for example, a, a guy called Tariq Ali at a Hyde Park march uh, during the last Gaza incursion said, if the occupation ended, anti-Semitism would end which is such nonsense because like the state of Israel was formed in 1948. There was quite a big anti-Semitic incident in history, you know, a few years before that, that was nothing to do with Israel. Anti-Semitism is not just about Israel. And what you get is a sense in which you're trying to talk about anti-Semitism and immediately a progressive person will say, what about Israel? What about Palestine? Right. And this is not something that an, a progressive person would say to someone say wanting to talk about Islamophobia in Britain. If a, a Muslim wants to talk about Islamophobia in Britain, they are not said, no one says to them, can you just tell me what your opinion is about human rights in Saudi Arabia? Exactly. Can you just talk right. about what's happening in Iran first before we let you talk? No one says that. That would be considered racist. And indeed it is. But Jews, it's like we have to clear the air about what we think about Israel. And I think, you know, much as I can't bear what's happening in Israel at the moment, I don't think there's any responsibility of Jews. To, if you want to call it out, go ahead. But I don't think I think the idea that you should shame Jews if they don't is like not a good idea. Right. Um, you are, you make an, an interesting point that this Jews don't count phenomenon has been going on for a long time. You mentioned a British directive during World War Two yeah. where no government officials were allowed to talk about any atrocities being committed against Jews, but only against innocent people. Um, yeah. Less people believed in Britain, the war was being fought on behalf of the Jews. And the same was true in America. Essentially, anti-Semitism was so entrenched that even if just one reason to fight the Nazis was the persecution of the Jews, like that wasn't helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well one of the things about anti-Semitism throughout history, and I think it 
shades into what I'm talking about in this modern time is that Jews are very rarely seen as, 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 as you just said, innocent. They're always somehow part of their own misfortune. Um, I don't know if you know this, but at the moment, Roald Dahl, the children's writer, yeah. um, he's being people are rewriting his books at the moment. But but what they're not doing is coming to terms with the fact that he was an incredible anti-Semite. And one reason that he was an incredible anti-Semite is that he said in the interview that, you know, he used this odd phrase. He said he said he, even a stinker like Hitler couldn't have done what he did without some reason. And what's implied there is that the Jews are somehow responsible for the Holocaust. Uh, you see this quite a lot. Actually, this rapper Wiley, who I mentioned earlier, he did a video of himself walking around just saying, come on, why did Hitler do that to you? There must have been a reason. There must have been a reason. And of course, there was a reason. Hitler was a psychopath. That was the reason, right? And he was able to pr project that psychosis, whatever the word is, project that psychosis onto a whole nation looking for a scapegoat. That's the reason. But what what Wiley means or what Roald Dahl means is there must be a reason. And the reason is that Jews were objectionable, in control, meddling with the system, all the things that people have always said that Jews are. Um, and that's that's the thing. That's the idea that Jews are somehow always responsible for their own misfortune. And so someone have a question here and then yeah. I have a couple more. But one one was about in your book. Uh, the word Jew has sort of been turned into a, a bad word. A Jewish boy is okay to say instead of Jew boy. Like the ish seems to make it okay. Like not fully Jew is okay, but full Jew, that's bad. And it's sort of how the word Zionist is now being turned into a bad word, somehow a negative. We see it happening real time. So how do we right. reclaim these words? Is it possible to do it like the black community did with the N-word? Well, I, I've tried, I've fought my own little campaign to reclaim the word Jew. Uh, my Twitter bio, biography is just one word, Jew. And I personally think I, I always say Jews and very ra rarely say Jewish people. Uh, I think it's really interesting that we have a word for ourselves that is considered an, an insult because all the other words for other minorities that are insults, they're slang. They're not the actual words in the dictionary for that minority, right? Uh, but so black isn't an insult and gay isn't an insult or whatever, but Jew somehow is an insult. Uh, and that's because the word is so deeply embedded uh, in, I think, Christian unconscious as a bad word. So when people say it, they just, there's a feeling of discomfort with it. So I think we should try and work through that as Jews and you know, say it as much as possible. But undeniably, you hear it said all the time by racists in, in a way that is disturbing. Um, yeah, so, so I'm quite keen on it. Whether we're, um, Zionist is an interesting one. I mean, you see, do see all the time. What you see all the time is like in the most obvious way is Zionist being used to just mean Jews. Right, exactly. Uh, and, and Zionist having an evil connotation to it. So it's yeah. like a double sort of... Not yeah. only right, use you use the word Zionist like Kanye started all of a sudden. Someone must have told him, "Hey, just okay. use Zionist in your comments, and then you'll be okay." Um, but then also, it's also being used as that's okay. That is still something evil, and it's okay to hate that. Yeah, um, well, that's definitely happening. I didn't know Kanye had done that, but that's kind of hilarious because right. it so shows how the word when he when he started hanging out with Nick Fuentes, he started that. So I'm assuming okay. Nick Fuentes said, "Hey, Kanye, you, you got to use right. the different word, and you can keep doing it." So, so anti-Semitism has always been present, always going to be ever present, I think. Um, I don't know if there is any solution to it. So what's the best way to contain it and push back against its rise? 
Um, like it, it's yeah. almost like a case of herpes, right? It can sometimes be contained, but you can never get rid of it. Yeah, it is a bit like herpes. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, all I can tell you if you want to be positive, and I'm, you know, I'm not that positive about it, but all I can tell you is in this country, and, and uh, you know, not just in this country, because the book's done well, thankfully, um, is at least the conversation is now sometimes on the map, right? Um, that I've noticed that in the two years since the book came out, that uh, anti-Semitism is more included in these conversations than it used to be. To use a specific example, uh, when the Black Lives Matter thing was happening, a lot of institutions in Britain, obviously in America as well, started having like diversity initiatives, right? Uh, and they would have training sessions about unconscious bias and about racism, whatever. And anti-Semitism was never mentioned ever in these things. Now, I get called all the time to like host, oh yeah, we're doing a diversity initiative. We're doing a whole week about other stuff. Maybe we could do an hour about Jewishness and anti-Semitism called David Baddiel. And to be honest, I don't want to do that all the time because I'm a comedian and a writer and I want to talk about other stuff. But basically because anti-Semitism and because... The, the way that Jews are positioned in this conversation is quite complex. You know, I, I kind of have to go in and sort and explain it because a lot of people don't understand it. For example, one thing we haven't talked about, which I think is really key, is that many, many people still think that anti-Semitism is religious intolerance. That's what they right. think. It is. And what I have to explain, and this is something which I thought was in the nursery slopes of this, but people don't think it is, is it's not religious intolerance because I'm an atheist. I'm an atheist and the Gestapo would shoot me like tomorrow. Um, you know, it would get me no free passes out of Auschwitz being an atheist. My great uncle was a secular Jew. He was killed in the Warsaw Ghetto. And now, right now, when you know white supremacists are marching and shouting the Jews will not replace us, they're not interested whether I keep kosher, whether you keep kosher. They they hate you well, either way, just because you're Jewish. And that's racism. Right. That's completely right. different from religious intolerance. But the people want to call it religious intolerance to downgrade it as a hatred. Because religious intolerance isn't as bad as racism. Right. We know so, that's why at the top of this, when I mentioned there's more hate crimes per capita in America against Jews and other any other minority, I prefer that stat than there's more hate crime, religious-based hate crimes against Jews. Because, right, it's just labeling Jews as a religion. But and you're not just, really talking about what anti-Semitism yeah. is. I just want to say something about that, which is when people say it's a religious crime, what they mean is that some Orthodox Jews have been attacked. But they haven't been attacked because they're Orthodox Jews, it's because they're visible Jews. Right. That's why they've been attacked. Those people attacking them are not attacking them because they're reading the fucking Talmud. They're attacking mm -hmm. them because they think they're Jewish and they're more noticeable than another Jew. Right. So going to more questions, I don't know if sure if you saw the Dave Chappelle uh, on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Did you see that? There's a question yeah, of what you thought of that monologue. Wildly anti-Semitic. Yeah. It's like wildly anti-Semitic. Just like, just there are two things about it. Number one, like I probably I'm a comedian. As a Jewish comedian, I cannot go on a show and talk for 15 minutes about black people. I just can't do that, right? That's impossible. Right. So he he can go on a show and talk for 15 minutes about Jews, with lots of stereotypical stuff about Jews. He said one thing that was amazingly anti-Semitic. I thought, which is uh, Kyrie Irving. Is that his name? The basketball player. Yeah. Yeah. So Kyrie Irving has. Uh, posted some like basically Holocaust denial stuff on his Facebook page and people have complained about it and called out about it. So Dave Chappelle says about that, he says, look, I understand that Jewish people have had some trouble in their history, but that's not, don't blame that on black Americans. And, and I'm like, no one is blaming stuff on black Americans by calling out 
can't it, like they're calling him out for posting a Holocaust in our video. It doesn't matter whether he's black. It's nothing to do with him being black, right? But somehow or other, that's made into a thing which is like Jews being racist towards black people, which no one is being when they're saying a person, a man who's who's got a big platform, should not post Holocaust in our videos. Right. You know, and I think the other issue with that is as a comedian yourself, there's some usually understanding with you and your audience that you're maybe taking something with a grain of truth and blowing it up into something yeah. much bigger. And the audience is sort of on the same page of you that you're poking fun at something. I think with the Dave Chappelle thing, unfortunately, with these anti-Semitic tropes is there's not an understanding that this isn't real. Right. When he's talking about Jews running and controlling Hollywood, the you know, most they, rational people understand that's not really the case, but people yeah. do believe that. And that is where I think it's really of here. Course, because Dave Chappelle is a truth teller. He's not just a comedian. He's a truth teller. And that's right. part of his thing. Right. Um, I don't I, like. Yeah, I remember in that thing, he started saying there's a lot. He started saying there's a lot of Jews in Hollywood. But what he means is he's noticed a few Jewish names. That's what he means, right? This whole notion of over-representation is kind of a myth because what it means is that some people have noticed some Jewish names and that in itself is a weird thing to do, right? It's weird to sort of like have that in your head as like, oh, it's another Jew. Like what's going on there? Why Why are you keeping count is what I'm thinking. Right. And here's another question, uh, almost like a catch-22 of anti-Semitism. Jews say anti-Semitism should be treated with as much outrage as other forms of racism. But when Jews say this, the response on the left is often, <clears throat> why are you minimizing those other forms of racism? Yeah, yeah. well, that's, that's something that happens to me all the time. Um, and that's not at all my intention. And it's kind of mad uh, because like, if you put your hand up and say, look, I think there's an issue with how people see uh, Jews and anti-Semitism. What I'm trying to do is saying there's a specific set of assumptions going on here that are unique to Jews. This idea that Jews are white, that Jews are powerful, that Jews are this applies to Jews. It doesn't apply to other minorities. So can we talk about that? And talking about that, those specifics is nothing to do in a way with talking about other minorities. It's like I'm just trying to outline what's going on in the assumptions. But it, it's just a way of not talking about it, really. It's just a way of progressives saying we don't want to talk about anti-Semitism. So we're going to reach for the idea that talking about anti-Semitism is somehow pushing out or minimizing, you know, to other types of racism. And it really isn't. Right. Here's another one. There was a recent tablet article about the vanishing Jews. I'm not sure if you read that, but the Jews are being pushed out of jobs, colleges, industries in the name of diversity. So qualifications don't matter. And also Jews are not seen as diverse. What's your yeah, thought? Well, Jews are not seen as diverse. And that's undeniably true. Uh, you know, that comes to do with the fact there's a kind of erasure of Jews happening, which is part of the, you know, there's been a correction which I generally approve of over the last sort of four or five years, a cultural correction whereby minorities and, and voices and faces that you haven't seen in the majority, you see more of now, right? And that's a good thing, but there's a slight problem which is like, okay, so if white people, are, are ordinary kind of like what you might call Christian white people are, are, are therefore not like representing everybody anymore, which is a good thing, there's a problem if Jews are just lumped in with them there's a problem if jews are just like well jews are white people as well we're not having so many white people on tv or on in college anymore right and you gotta think like no jews are a minority they're a minority yeah. uh, you know and they've got their own issues and they've got their own racism to deal with and all the other stuff that other minorities have to deal with but you're not bothered that because you're lumping them together with the white amorphous mass and it that is really difficult i think to to, to push back against
David, one last question uh, yeah, sure. for you, which I think is big, because I actually couldn't find it until I got a VPN blocker. Maybe that's why my internet connection now okay. is uh, being tormented. But where can people watch the documentary? Or is it coming to America? Or how do they get it? Uh, well, I don't know is the answer to that. Um, it was on Channel 4 uh, on the BBC, on uh, British TV. And uh, we're trying to find a buyer for it in America. Uh, I mean, one thing I would say is it's true that Jews don't count, right? And so I would say there's not as much interest probably in that and then there is in other documentaries about other types of racism. Having said that, it made a lot of noise here. There were a lot of people, you know, talking about it and got it lots was of brilliantly people. done though. David Schwimmer, uh, Schwimmer is in it. Yes. Uh, uh, Sarah Silverman, tons in of it. great Neil people. Ga Neil Gaiman's in it, lots of people. You know, it's great. And, and I really hope it does come to America. I, I mean, I keep pushing for it to to do that i think you probably i shouldn't say this because it's kind of bootleg it's on youtube somewhere uh, i think you could probably see it um but um yeah as far as i'm aware so far it doesn't have a buy in america uh, i think we're putting it up uh, it hasn't been decided yet but i think it's been put up for the tribeca film festival in the documentary category so if anyone's in new york and if it gets in then you can see it there meanwhile this is available in the united states so yep. if anyone hasn't got a copy, then get a copy of it. Good old fashioned reading. Well, we'll send out a link to the book and to the documentary. And as I said, I used the VPN blocker to act like I was in the UK and I was able okay, to cool. watch it. Yeah, I um, shouldn't approve of that, really. You shouldn't, but you know, this is the day and age. Um, anyhow, I want to thank everyone for joining us today for this great in-depth discussion. David, please let everyone know where they can find you and your work and find you on social media. Uh, I'm on, uh, well, I'm on at Badil on Twitter and at The Real Badil on Instagram. Um, so, yeah, that's the best bet to come and find me and buy the book. I've got a new book out quite soon, uh, which I hope will be out in America, called The God Desire, which is about atheism. It's about being a Jewish atheist. Uh, so maybe you'll like that, too. And um, it's been great talking to you, Ari. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Um, next week, I hope everyone can join us for another very timely conversation, this time of the history and current manifestations of religious Zionism. Make sure to sign up for all our discussions and please donate at ccfpeace.com. That's ccfpeace.com. Hope to see everyone online and stay safe. David, thank you so much. Cool. Thank you. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks for joining us. Cheers. Bye-bye.